a real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. All right. One of my favorite comedians is Kevin. Ah, crap. I can't remember his last name, but he has a great saying. It's all right. All right. All right. And I think that's so cool. And so we're just thrilled today to have as our guest social entrepreneur and change maker, Bobby Paydell. She's the founder and creative director of Tribe of Lambs. And as she ever got an amazing story, she has an extensive resume in the fashion industry and Bobby has worked as a stylist and she co-founded a magazine called Frisch, which is a global fashion and photography and art magazine. After finishing design school, Bobby traveled to India where she was confronted with overwhelming differences between the East versus the West, consumerism and culture. While in India, Bobby founded Tribe of Lambs, an ethical non-profit jewelry company, and all of the proceeds of this company go towards helping at-risk children affected by HIV in Canada. Not only has Bobby impacted the lives of almost 600 HIV-positive children, that's right, I said 600, but she continues to work on compassion projects in India. She fundraises to pay tuition for children to attend school and to improve infrastructure at local libraries to improve financial literacy. You go ahead and tell me you're busy. This lady is busy. And today, we're talking to Bobby about how she's starting a global movement around giving back together. Bobby, it's great to have you on the Startup Canada podcast show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I get excited to talk about this stuff. So it's great. Yeah, well, that's all part of it, right? It's driven yeah. by passion. Yeah. So look, you're inspired by love, fashion, style, and travel. This is kind of like the manifest for your business. Can you can you just kind of just dive right into it? What is Tribe of Lambs? Okay, well, as you mentioned, um, Tribe of Lambs is a non-for-profit jewelry brand. We raise funds and awareness for HIV-positive children in India. So we're based primarily in Cal, well, in Alberta. Um, there's three of us, um, myself and my business partner. She lives in Edmonton. And then we've got another one on the team. He spends his time between India, UK and Vancouver. So we're a very uh, global team. And um, yeah, we're, we're not only working to 
towards bringing awareness and funds to the kids with HIV, but we're also working towards providing fashion forward customers with an ethical, sustainable option to bridge the gap between consumerism and compassion. So it's really exciting for me that I get to blend, you know, all those things that do inspire me with my passion for empowering others. So it's a real dream come true. So it's it's you talk about that bridge between consumerism and and uh, what was the other thing you said consumerism and, and compassion and compassion. Okay, so so tell us about that bridge. What are the things associated with your company, the magic you're doing that is, is are actually the pieces of that bridge? I think for me, what like has really come up since starting this is the fact that when we consume so often, we don't really think about the impact that our, our, that we make because we do have, it's called purchasing power. And it's something that we just, you know, we're, we're very conditioned or we're just so used to consuming in a way like I need it, I buy it, that's it, as opposed to really looking at the long-term impact of a purchase, like who made that? What's the impact on the environment? You know, like who's getting the money? Like all these questions that, that are important to ask yourself anytime you're spending any money from $5 to $500. Very cool. Very, very cool. And I, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a lifetime journey, isn't it? When you're, when you're having to ultimately enlighten people. And so, so let's talk about enlightening. You went to India where you became aware of the struggles that kids are, who are affected by HIV face. You know, what was that enlightening? What was that light bulb turned on, turned on that made you say, okay, look, Bobby, you got to do something to help these kids. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, for anybody that's been to India, I'm sure that they could say it's a very profound place where you experience a lot of different things like emotionally and spiritually. And just like, it's just so different. It really is night and day. And when I went there initially, I I wasn't actually aware of, you know, the struggles that HIV positive and children HIV positive children and adults face there. Um, I was working um, just in a, a small orphanage in the in the Himalayas in the north, and um, but anywhere you go in India, there is just so much poverty, especially with the children. And and it's like when you're in Canada, we really realize how blessed we are that if if you saw a small child on the street, like that would impact you. You would not mm. you you would remember that face forever. But in India, there's so many kids there. There's so many young children that are asking for food that don't have opportunities their potential is so untapped that it becomes almost faceless and I just felt such a social sense of social responsibility to to offer my blessings to these kids like you know I I come from a place as amazing as Canada and you know we just get limitless opportunities here and I just wanted to find a way to blend my experience in fashion and design in a way that I could give back to those communities. And so can you talk about that, that hands-on work that, uh, that you're doing to, to, uh, to help the kids with HIV? Yeah. So, I mean, it was only earlier this year, um, because we were always looking to work with partner with different NGOs in India that are working with different youth groups. And then earlier this year, uh, I went to this home for HIV positive children. And I really came to light to me that um, the fear and discrimination and denial of basic human rights that HIV positive children face in India, it would just like came up when I went to this home and met these kids. And I thought this is 
a real cause that Tribe of Lamb wants to get behind because we previously were working with all different at-risk youth groups. So like we were working with slum kids, we were working with different orphanages Mm. and different literacy programs. And now we've totally streamlined to work primarily with HIV positive children because they are a group that is quite often left behind even more so than like a slum child or like, you know, they're, they, they're extra marginalized. So we want to give them extra empowerment and extra support Mm. so that they can live to their full potential. Like any person carrying HIV virus should. Yeah. Well, I mean, people that are carrying HIV virus live long lives now too. So, you know, it's to, uh, to deal with the stigma, let alone the fact dealing with it for a longer lifespan now would be, uh, do you, is, is that what happens with these kids once they get to the, you know, 18, 19, do they, is is it still continue on at that stigma? Exactly. Like it's Mm. just so amazing to experience it firsthand because well, in Canada, we are so, we just all know about HIV and AIDS and how preventable it is and how you actually contract it. And there they think it's like a common cold. Like, Mm. you know, the kids aren't able to access regular orphanages, regular school. They're really ostracized in their community. So the the organization called RAISE that we partner with, they really work to empower and educate their kids the kids that they work with so that they, when they are 18 or 19, they're actually fully independent. They're full, full members of society. And they really, they know I'm a child or like I'm a person living with HIV, but I still matter. And I still have something Mm. to give back to my community. So they really want to create a long-term sustainable, um, lifestyle for these kids where they, they really can give back as they are, they're giving back to, you know, to perpetuate the cycle Mm. of empowerment Mm -hmm. and education. Sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> the power of a movement only actually starts with one, doesn't it? So that's uh, that's so cool. So look, you're you're here in Canada in Calgary, um, working to help people in India. Uh, tell us about what your day to day looked like as a, as a social entrepreneur from the time you get up to the time ultimately you put your head down again. <laughs> that I think that's such a loaded question, which I'm sure like, <laughs> like any entrepreneur, social or not can relate to. It's like when you decide to start a business of any capacity, it's like you have to be prepared that you don't do just like one job that you're experiencing. It's like, you know, we've had, it's also being a nonprofit. We are very, you know, budget oriented. So a lot of times like yes. we've had to put on new hats and, and get creative and, and do different things. Like, you know, I've had to learn how to do product photography and we've had to learn business side of things. (laughs) Like, you know, there's just so many components like doing markets and trade shows and shipping orders. And like, I never thought I'd be working in a warehouse out of my living room, you know, like there's so many things that come up, which is, keeps it exciting you know yeah that's so true yeah it's one of my favorite sayings is the business isn't black and white it's it's gray you never know what you're going to get and so yeah to say i do this every day is such a silly question and isn't it i think the focus is yeah what i do is i focus in on my mission and, and my passion and that's what i do every day very very awesome well look I, I as soon as i did the intro there was a reference point where it says you give all proceeds to children affected by HIV. And so for our 
audience that's listening here, you know, they may naturally go, okay, how does this lady survive? You know, if all proceeds go towards this organization, uh, this great organization and the kids she's uh, helping, you know, how do you ultimately, how do you create a sustainable business model that allows you to survive while changing the lives of those, these children? Because I don't want people to think that this is about you being in poverty there's a there's a sustainability also with you as you're as you're fulfilling your cause totally so i mean our business model has shifted a few times since we started and which i think it has to as first-time entrepreneurs you know we create a business model with all these amazing ideas and like structured out and then we you know we have to be fluid with the realities and the losses and the mistakes that arise with starting uh-huh. a business and i mean the fact is we aren't working for personal monetary gain of course we we need to find a way to and we are finding a way to sustain ourselves which is awesome because we do sell a product we're still a social business in the way that we're selling a product just like any other business would but at the end of the year there's no dividends paid it all just goes back into our mission back into our cause and I mean it's not like you know a social entrepreneur doesn't wake up and say you know like I'm going to start this nonprofit company, bring change to the world, and then expect to write themselves a big fat paycheck because I don't think mm. that's realistic. Mm. But it, it's um, it's it's something that we're working towards. And like we also look towards other successful nonprofits. Like, you know, there's Crochet Kids in California, who is a huge inspiration for us. They are, you know, they gross, you know, two million dollars a year. But that's it's a nonprofit. Everything gets reinvested into their mission and their business. And it's so inspiring to see other large scale big companies doing that now. Yeah. Well, it's you're right. It's not about the riches, but it's, it's also is, is, uh, you talked about making it sustainable. And I think that that's the, uh, that the key, the key is you can have your cake and eat it too, as, as part of that model. But you, if there's a, you know, the, um, Richard Branson once was asked, what's the best thing you can give to your, to your business. And, uh, his answer was your health. And, okay. uh, you know, I think that that's, that's critical because if you or your team aren't looking after yourselves, then you can't provide to all these other folks. So yeah, I love how you positioned that. Can you tell us about your jewelry? I'm interested if you can vis- can can give our our audience from coast to coast kind of a, a view as to what's what's kind of the 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 what's kind of the raison uh, that's the word I'm looking for. I, I guess it comes down to give us the specialness associated with your jewelry that comes from uh, what you're creating. Yeah, it's really exciting what we do actually because I mean, the, the jewelry, the product starts like right here in Canada with, you know, where we look at our customers and our desired customers and trends and what's selling and what's not selling ethical or not. And then I, you know, I get to create these designs. I get to go to India and work directly with a small workshop where we, you know, spend a few days like going back and forth with samples. Like I want to do this. And actually, you know, sometimes the, what the artisans there can do is limited in terms of what I want to do uh, that, you know, appeals to my aesthetic. But then it's exciting because we get to actually blend our their skills with my designs, with their ideas. And it really is such a melding pot of like East and West, which is why our jewelry is re- very unique and very special because it is that collaborative experience. And then once we, you know, once the samples are approved, then they go out into the workshop. There's about 20 men, five women, and they make them in small, small quantities, 16 pieces, 
maximum at a time. And it's just, it's such a wonderful community. And I think that shows to our customers here that they're not just getting like any piece of jewelry. It's something that has a real story behind it. And, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it special. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting you say that. I'm uh, I've been working lately with we call it the artpreneur community, and I would consider you to be an artpreneur <laughs> in, in what it is that you do. But uh, you know that it's it's that whole aspect of branding and story that you your 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 group your tribe does such a great job. You know, passionately and intrinsically as to why you're doing it and what you're trying to convey from emotional and a deeper connection piece and but it's telling that story that i think is very much key to ultimately having your social enterprise uh, be successful so you obviously do that how do you tell your story uh before your jewelry ultimately arrives where it arrives where someone buys it um well we get to tell our story in a few different ways, which is exciting because, you know, people always respond to different outlets, you know, so we're, we do a lot of like face-to-face meetings and networking and markets and trade shows where we get to literally meet people face-to-face and tell the story. You're going to buy this product that we ourselves like went and made and like, this is who it's going back to. And we, on our website, well, we name all of our jewelry after different kids that we worked with. So if you bought, so if you went and bought the Irani ring, you can go to our website and read Irani's story and see her photo Mm. and, and you get to wear that story. When someone says, Oh my gosh, I love your ring. You can be like, well, actually let me tell you about this ring. And that's how like anything I think grows Mm. and expands. Right. That's so brilliant. Good, good for you. And, and look, before I forget, you got you got to tell me uh, what your website address is, so uh, everybody can uh, go there. Because rather than waiting to the end and somebody say, to ask her what where I can find this, uh, so what's your website address for so, people can go? Yeah, our website is just www.tribeoflambs.com. Tribe of lambs. And why the lambs? So I get the tribe. Why the word lambs? Well, the lambs are really representative of the kids that we work with and we work to empower because like a lamb similar to a child on its own with, you know, out out in the field by itself is vulnerable and weak. And and when we band together, there really is strength in numbers. So we want to carry that like in our name and in everything that we do, that community is really everything. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, look, uh, your, your two worlds are Calgary and Northern India, and you touched on that a bit. So can you tell us, uh, you know, how do you maintain, uh, I guess, communication? You know, how does, how does the, the, the bridge happen between, yes, there's the, uh, the, the uh, references that we made a little earlier about the bridge, but how does the bridge of business happen between those uh, two, uh, two diverse, you know, dis- distinct areas? And and not only culturally, but also from a, a geographical perspective. How do you make? How do you make that happen? You don't go there all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the exciting thing about anybody starting a business is you get to really create it to how it suits your lifestyle. And for me, like, you know, it suits me to 
to be in India half the year. And it's a just amazing time to be an entrepreneur because we have technology and we really have the resources to work remotely and all the tools and technology and email and like Wi-Fi in India. It's awesome. Like, you know, so nice. we're, we're always in communication that the tribe, the three of us, we're always talking every day and we're just always updating each other. And so it's actually easy when everyone, you know, your responsibility, you know, your task and we're always checking in and it's, it actually makes working remotely really fun and, and easy. So can you, you talked about the tribe, it's the three of us. Can you, you know, uh, can you talk about the, what are the roles if there's one or two that everybody has is that, that they have ownership of, or how, how does that, tri- how does that tribe, what does that tribe look like? Yeah. So, I mean, on paper, I'm, I'm the founder and the creative director. Uh-huh. And then we have Danny and she's the director of operations. She's a amazing mom of two in Edmonton. And then we have Phil and he's our director of marketing and communications. And he's between UK, Vancouver, and sometimes in India with me. And then we have an awesome PR intern, Jamie, and she lives in uh, Vancouver as well. So there's three of us and that's like our main title, but we all really support each other and getting everything done. So it's an amazing team to be a part of. How'd you find those people? Did they, did they come from, from, from your, your, the beginnings of your journey or did you know them before? <laughs> yeah. Like this is also an amazing thing that I get to work with two of my best friends. So Danny and I have been childhood best friends since we were little. And when I did the first crowdfunding pilot of this project, she was like, I'm so inspired. I want to get on board. And Phil, I met traveling through Australia and he came to, yeah. he came to India when we finished the first crowdfunding campaign and he got to come and give out the we raised money for winter jackets for some kids in the Himalayas and he got to come on the day to give out those jackets and he was like yeah like I'm in let's do this so now Mm. it's been the three of us like two of my amazing friends that have like such diverse set of skills and we really complement each other and like work together as a like one unit moving forward yeah I love it I love it so you crowdfunded to create to find money for jackets for for people or kids in the Himalayas. So it was for kids. So it was yeah. it was like a really cool thing that I was working with some artisans just making, you know, like scarves and bags and jewelry. And then we also wanted to raise money for the kids. So it was an awesome opportunity to not only like make money for the cause that we were passionate about, but also to test our products on the market. Like what are people going to buy? What's easy for us to make? Like there was so many like awesome components about crowdfunding, which is why I always recommend to anybody you want to start a business. Why not just give it a test and do it on a platform like crowdfunding? And how, how did you, how, why was your crowdfunding uh, campaign successful in your view? Um, I think, you know, you have to have a really strong video, which I was really blessed that I had a great friend with a great eye for that in India. And she followed me around for a few days. And so you really want to give people a, a real sense of like what it is that you're up to. And that's, I think, was the key for our video or for our campaign. And how long has uh, Tribal Lambs been, uh, been in business? Um, that crowdfunding campaign we did, it was two years in August, but like we've been official up and running since January of 2015. So just about two years now. And you've impacted 600 lives in that short time period. 
Yeah, it's been a really uh, humbling and powerful journey because it's just so amazing to see like, you know, what's possible when people come together and just how much people do want to give back and, and donate and share and be generous. And, and it's just nice to like be that link between that, that facilitates that for, for other people. It's just been really wonderful. Well, you know, I, I see a lot of social entrepreneurship uh, going on in the world today, and I think it's absolutely fabulous. Um, and you know, it is entrepreneurship, but it's on a it's in a in a different niche, if I could call it that. So you, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast, and they're going to say, "I want to do what she does." I am so empowered. This is my passion and so on. What are the top three things that you would tell somebody that's going to start on the journey that you did, uh, well, little, little less than two years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think for anybody, social entrepreneur or not, there's such value in following your intuition and following your heart and just finding something that you're passionate about. And like, that's something as a social entrepreneur that I get excited when I see other social entrepreneurs and just to hear like the, how invigorated it gets them to talk about something that's important to them, whether it's the social or environmental or whatever it is that that's what's exciting and to just keep the attention on that because there are so many days where it's like, why am I doing this? And you doubt it <laughs> and you think, what did I get myself and my two friends into? And, and then, and then when you go back to like, you know, you always have to just kind of regroup and come back to that space where it's like, this is why I started it. This is why it's important. This is the value it's going to add to my community and communities beyond. And um, in your uh, in your own hometown of Calgary, uh, h- how are you? Um, are you being asked to speak at lots of places? Uh, are you being asked to to mentor o- other social entrepreneurs? Is there an, an, another side of uh, Bobby before other than than the hard work you're doing on a day to day basis to keep your movement moving? Um, I mean, Calgary is an amazing city. It's a very community driven city. So it's nice that everyone always supports each other, which I'm sure it is like in every little pocket across Canada. We're, we're such like, you know, encouraging, supportive people as a whole, I think. So, you know, there's always constant conversations going on. And, you know, last or two weeks ago, we had, um, our World AIDS Day fundraiser in Calgary. We threw a rock show, had a few local bands, and it was just so amazing to see, like in any community, when you can rally people together and and just get people passionate and inspired to go out and do good for one day or two days or whatever it is, you know? So Northern uh, India has got your focus right now what's the what's the the next i'm gonna i hate saying five years because that's really uh, it's so much is going to change but what's the next two years three years going to be like for for tribal lambs and the and the growing movement because i presume you're not going to be happy with what you've done to date it's uh, it's a passion and you you want to make it uh, a bigger impact and grow and grow yeah we have lots of big goals which i think is also important for an entrepreneur you always want to like keep keep thinking bigger and what's next. And we're really focused right now on, um, you know, creating the capital to build, uh, our own jewelry cooperative in India so we can Mm. train so that we can train and employ HIV positive men and women, as well as have full control over our supply chain from like, you know, having recycled 
materials and using fair mind, fair trade metals and creating opportunities for HIV positive men and women who are otherwise marginalized in terms of employment opportunities. So that's mm-hmm. something that we're really focused on. We're also really focused on um, working with RAISE, our beneficiary, for them to uh, be able to expand their facility so that they can have a larger intake of children, but not reducing the quality of care that they're offering. Mm-hmm. So those are our two main focuses. And we're hoping, you know, even to marry them together somehow. And, and we're just always like have a ongoing dialogue. <laughs> what's, um, what's your opinion on companies, um, um, like requirement, uh, uh, expectation that they should have some sort of a social connection to what they're doing as a business. Do you, if you could, if you could be in charge of the world, uh, and you, and you had to uh, say, okay, every business needs to have a social, uh, movement focus for their business. Would you think that one, that's good for business? And two, do you think, think it's uh, it's something that uh, more businesses should start doing definitely i don't i think that's not only good for business but i think it's like good for humanity as a whole for us to move forward and and move away from this outdated mindset of one for one you know like doggy Mm -hmm. dog like climbing up this ladder like in a constant competition but instead like working together collaboratively and also you know for business it is great and we actually one of our our largest contributors he's a business owner in the UK and he operates on a buy one give one model he has a um he, boiler and heating company. So for every boiler he sells, he donates 50 pounds to the tribe. And like that, that he's really utilized that for his customer base. And they want to come back to him again and again, because they think, why would I go buy a boiler from this guy when I can go buy a boiler from Ramkey Heating and they're going to give back to children in India? It's just such an incentive for business and growth within, if you're thinking of it from a single business perspective and in like Mm -hmm. a larger scale it's very good for the economy like to really foster the creativity of social entrepreneurs and to just like get a bigger sense of community like I'm just so passionate about the word community because it's it's essential to the to the growth of of us as humans and to the sustainability of us you know taking care of our people and taking care of our planet yeah, I love it. Oh man, you are magic. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, really, it's it's really impactful stuff what you're saying here. But I want to switch to uh, we're uh, got a couple more questions on this great interview, and one of the um, one of the things that uh, at um, uh, bothers me about the nonprofit sector is the word nonprofit because it gives this this sense of hey I can lose money to to uh, but still keep on keeping business so can you talk about what you do uh, with those hardcore financial issues you know how do you how do you manage your business so yes there's there's sustainability and yes the, you made two million dollars which you can give to people versus just well we, we we're non-profit therefore we don't have to try as hard can you kind of talk around that issue yeah i mean it is for i think we've come across this question a lot because when we first started we were we weren't we were a for-profit social business and then um, at the end of last year, we actually transitioned to nonprofit just so that we could, you know, utilize as, as a startup 
first time business owners, you know, we, there's a lot that we didn't know and a lot that we had to learn from. And we're really operating in a nonprofit way that like our goal, of course, is to pay ourselves a salary and take care of ourselves and feed ourselves and and be have a happy, fulfilled life. So we can then give that to others. But we are really, you know, our goal isn't, isn't to become rich. And so in knowing that there's so many benefits to being a registered nonprofit, if you're working Mm. towards a a cause, you know, like, you know, we get certain breaks and certain, you know, opportunities that a for-profit business wouldn't get. And I think if we had, if we were a bigger startup, if we had a bigger capital, it would have been totally fine for us to just remain in the for-profit sector and sell jewelry and that would be it. But, but it just, for us, it works. And for us, it actually, we've found the opposite that people look at us and like, Oh, they're a nonprofit. Wow. Like that, you know, they really see that our determination is behind our cause and our mission and it's not behind, uh, making money. Yeah. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, Bobby, it's been just great to hang out with you. Um, and uh, you've got an audience coast to coast, as they say, and there are literally thousands of people that listen to this podcast now on a regular basis. And kudos to Startup Canada. And uh, and actually, before I finish that last question, I do have another one. How do you feel about Startup Canada and uh, their involvement with entrepreneurs and particularly as to, uh, as to how they've uh, helped impact your your journey as a as an entrepreneur i love startup startup canada it's been it's just so important for entrepreneurs social or not to have that that support and that um encouragement and mentorship and leadership and and just a, a, a platform to foster that and to know yeah you're an entrepreneur whatever your idea is however crazy it is we live in an amazing country such as Canada where there are organizations like startup Canada that are gonna push you through and help you along the way so Thank Love you it. for Love having it. us. It's been awesome. <laughs> well, I have one more question for you, though, and I want you to share with you your final observations and kind of a, you know, the the one nugget from your journey as an entrepreneur, uh, from your journey as a social entrepreneur, as a as a woman entrepreneur. Anything that you feel that is a golden nugget that could possibly help people uh move to what they want to do as a as a as a startup can you uh, leave us with one golden nugget i think the golden nugget for me would just be to keep following your intuition and your heart and never stop learning and enjoy the ride because it's pretty crazy (laughs) (laughs) it is pretty crazy isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. it's fun it's exciting it is fun yeah Yeah. well bobby you've been really wonderful uh keep doing what you're doing um we're gonna keep an eye on uh tribe and lambs and uh and uh and see how you continue to grow and uh and again it's tribealambs.com yeah perfect you can go there do uh do review what what uh, bobby and her tribe are doing and and of course support them uh for their great work so thank you very very much for for being on the show and, and keep on happening bobby 
Thank you, Rivers. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. This is Mark Curio, founder and CEO of Routific, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. It, it's going to be such a learning experience. In the worst case scenario, you're going to fail flat on your face, but you're going to learn so much from it, which is going to make you even more employable in the future. Yeah, well, there's a there's a venture, a couple of venture funds that they will not fund the company or the individual unless they have failed three times. So, yeah, they want you to go through that life experience. Exactly, very, very it's, cool. it's the only way to learn. It's the only way to learn is to fail. If you succeed always, it's it's not much of a learning experience. So, and, and, isn't it crazy how we uh, we 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 hear that word fail and instantly we think of something that's negative versus oh my gosh, what a what a great opportunity to learn. Yeah. And and we just embrace it as a negative term. And it's so, so, so wrong. I mean, that's how you yeah. know it's, long, it's how you grow. And so, uh, so thank you for that reinforcement for that.